Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Home improvement information. Even if that's not your bag, all of the episodes are archived online. So if the mood strikes you or if the need motivates you, you can search your project. And yes, there is a Fix It 101 podcast for that. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, January 14th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi is one step closer to a medical marijuana program. Then, a look at abortion access in the state. And an Affordable Care Act, open enrollment period is a day away. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Medical marijuana is one step closer to being legalized in the state as lawmakers in the Senate passed the Mississippi Medical Cannabis Act. MPB's Kobe Vance reports. As lawmakers prepare to vote on the legalization of medical marijuana in Mississippi, they are passing around two bags of marijuana and an unlit joint. Senator Kevin Blackwell holds one of the bags containing three and a half grams. It's about the size of a deck of playing cards. Under our formula, what we're going to do is allow people to have one unit, which would be one of these, and we're going to allow them to purchase seven in a week. Several attempts were made to amend the legislation, with some wanting to tighten restrictions and others seeking to expunge criminal records for those who qualify for the medicinal marijuana program. Republican Senator Angela Hill of Picayune sought to ban combustible forms of marijuana and had the distribution be overseen by pharmacists. Rather than them going with the card to a dispensary without a pharmacist and just going in there and somebody with eight hours saying, well, you got this disease, I think you might need to take this much of this, this much of this. That's just not the way medicine works, in my opinion. No amendments were adopted, and after nearly three hours of deliberation, the bill passed 47 to 5. Medical marijuana advocate Angie Calhoun says this is a big step for people like her son, who have moved out of state to receive medicinal cannabis treatments. You can make me cry. It means the world to me because I've seen my son suffer for nine years. He needed to be there because he could get tested, safe cannabis. And it worked, and it gave him his quality of life back. And that's just what I want for all of the patients in our state. They shouldn't have to suffer any longer. More amendments are expected to be proposed when the bill is taken up by the House in the coming weeks and could face a veto by the governor who does not approve the daily allotment of marijuana through the program. Kobe Vance, MPB News. 
Coming up, Mississippi's Department of Corrections eyes increase funding as staffing shortages persist. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Is Friday your favorite day of the work week? We're pretty proud of our Friday MPB local shows. Felder Rushing's Gestalt Gardener at 9 a.m. is about your garden and life. At 10 a.m., Next Stop Mississippi lets you know the hot events going on around the state. Southern Remedy for Women is for women and the people who love them. Coming up next after Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, MPB Think Radio listeners. Right now, you are listening to me live. But if you ever want to hear a past local show, then subscribe to MPB Think Radio YouTube channel on YouTube. That way, you can catch all your favorite past local shows on your phone, your laptop, or your smart TV. And you can listen whenever it's convenient for you. MPB Think Radio's YouTube channel. Subscribe now. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi's Department of Corrections appeared before the Senate Appropriations Committee yesterday to make its annual budget request. The department oversees a prison system that's long-faced criticism related to crumbling infrastructure and short staffing. Burl Kane is Corrections Commissioner in the state. He spoke with MPB's Brittany Brown in the halls of the Capitol. Well, the end goal here is to have adequate staff so that we can properly and safely manage our prisons. And so that's what we're requesting. We're requesting a salary level of $18.50 an hour for next year. And so uh, I feel like that that's reasonable. And that compared with the surrounding states, with Arkansas at 1875 and Mississippi, I mean in uh, Alabama at 20 and Tennessee at 22. So that's in the ballpark. But we've got to get, a, get higher than that $15 we're paying now. How likely do you think that is? I think, I hope it'll be approved for the end of the session, or it, so it'll be effective July the 1st. We can move it on up there. We've made tremendous hiring efforts, but uh, we've hired, done well, but we haven't filled our position. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you mentioned in the, in the hearing that, you know, people want money in their pockets. The benefits aren't necessarily attractive enough to keep staff there. Can you tell me more about that? And what you well, you, you have Hobby Lobby that pays 1850 and you have McDonald's that pays $15, and they don't really look at related benefits as much as they should, but later on in life they will wish they had, but still that doesn't count now, it seems. And what can you tell me about the reentry programs that you currently have that you're building on? Well, the reentry programs are really rolling now. And so now we've already produced some certified mechanics and some certified carpenters, NCCER and ASE certified. So that's getting ready for reentry. And once we get these guys ready to go and get them paroled, then they'll be employable at a higher rate and we'll have less recidivism, safer communities, less violence. How does workforce training fold into reducing recidivism? What happens when they get out of prison? If we don't have a job, they're going to rob, steal, and rape and pilfer. And so we want them to come on back and have a job and not come back to prison. And so to do that, we have to equip them for jobs, and that's what we're doing with our reentry program. These, these cost money, but we're able to fund those pretty much. And so it just takes time to get all our teachers because we use inmates as teachers because uh, they're a great resource we have, and, that's a, and it saves a lot of money. 
Now, in there, you mentioned a number of uh, prisoners who have been released on parole under this new uh, expanded parole eligibility. Can you tell me that number again? Well, it's, it averages about 200 a month. And so it'll be about 2,400 for the year. And that's a good thing. And so we just want to be sure we have those guys prepared to go back to the community and have a job and not go back and not have a place to work or make a living and resort right back into prison and be the open door. Coming up, the latest in the state's fight against COVID-19. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Peter O'Dowd. Elvis Costello has a new album. At 67, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame musician is looking back on childhood. I'm thinking about uh, who we have become and how we become, maybe. And part of that, I suppose, has something to do with there being less road up ahead than behind. Elvis Costello, next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MBB Think Radio. Hanging on to a vehicle you can't drive feels like a dream where you try to run but can't. Rather than hit the snooze for another year, why not donate your car, truck, or other vehicle to MPB and wake up to great television and radio? Call 877-MPB-4-CAR or go to mpbonline.org support and click on Donate a Vehicle to support the programs you count on morning and evening. Now that's a good dream. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. COVID-19 continues its surge in the state, but it's harder than ever to figure out exactly how much havoc it's wreaking. A look at a new case count presents apparent cause for alarm. Over 8,000 new infections reported yesterday alone. That's an all-time high. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is the state health officer. We have registered over 34,000 cases within a week, but fortunately, we haven't seen the same proportion of deaths that we've seen with uh, previous waves. Fortunately, we know that Omicron seems to cause a less severe illness in part because of the intrinsic characteristics of the virus, but also because we have a far more immune population. If we look at what's going on with our cases and hospitalizations, although it does cause a less severe illness because of the remarkable number of cases we have, we are seeing a massive increase in the number of new hospitalizations, putting increasing strain upon our healthcare system and overloading our ICU systems. Dobb says part of his team's strategy to keep Mississippians out of hospitals is upping the accessibility of various outpatient treatments for COVID. As for what exactly those treatments are? We have oral antivirals, which are um, uh, Paxlovid, which is very effective against preventing uh, deaths or severe disease. Molnupiravir is another oral antiviral. We also have a monoclonal product called Evusil, and we also have an an intravenous antiviral called Remdesivir. We've had this medication for a long time. Monoclonal antibodies, which is used quite a lot here in the state of Mississippi, 400 doses of uh, bamlanivimab, adesivimab, 484 doses of Regencov, and 438 of citrovimab. We promise there will be no pop quiz, but Dobbs does note only some of those treatments are believed to be effective against the now-dominant Omicron variant of the coronavirus. Coming up, a look at abortion access in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, MPB Think Radio listeners. Right now, you are listening to me live. But if you ever want to hear a past local show, then subscribe to MPB Think Radio YouTube channel on YouTube. That way you can catch all your favorite past 
local shows on your phone, your laptop, or your smart TV. And you can listen whenever it's convenient for you. MPB Think Radio's YouTube channel. Subscribe now. Is Friday your favorite day of the work week? We're pretty proud of our Friday MPB local shows. Felder Rushing's Gestalt Gardener at 9 a.m. is about your garden and life. At 10 a.m., Next Stop Mississippi lets you know the hot events going on around the state. Southern Remedy for Women is for women and the people who love them. Coming up next after Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban now lies in the hands of the U.S. Supreme Court. If the ban is upheld, it could open the door for total or near-total prohibitions on the procedure throughout the Deep South. But even now, many Mississippi women struggle to access abortion services. That's according to Carrie White, who's a professor at the University of Texas in Austin. She studied abortion in Mississippi extensively and recently published some of her findings in an academic journal called Contraception. Mississippi is, um, you know, one of many states um, in the southern part of the United States where access to abortion care is very limited. Um, The state has only one facility that's licensed to provide abortion care and numerous restrictions um, that are placed uh, that make it difficult for both people to obtain care and for providers to offer care. And so my colleagues and I thought it was important to look at um, uh, you know, how far people are going to access services in a state where there's only one facility providing care um, and where else they might go um, to obtain the care they need. Now, your study found that 40% of women traveled out of state, interestingly enough. Yes, um, 40% of people did travel to another state uh, to obtain their abortion. And this is far higher than what we see in the national level data um, that has surveyed people accessing abortion, um, where um, less than 10% of people are crossing state lines to get an abortion. And so I think this really highlights how very limited in-state services are for residents of Mississippi. Is that the reason that you think so many people went out of state because of access? Yes, with only one clinic in Jackson, um, for people in other parts of the state, the nearest facility for them um, may be in Memphis, Tennessee, or in Alabama. And so they still may be traveling long distances, but it is closer for them to travel to another state than it is for them um, to cross um, and travel down into Jackson. What else did you discover? Um, Well, we also found that um, almost one in five Mississippi residents um, who obtained an abortion in 2018 did so at 12 weeks of pregnancy or later. Um, And this is also um, higher than what we see in national data. This is a time in pregnancy when um, an in-clinic procedure versus um, taking medications is really the only option for people. Um, And the cost of the procedure um, starts to increase at this point of pregnancy, and there are fewer places that offer care at this um, point in pregnancy as well. And so this is, um, you know, an indicator of people having a a specialized need for care 
um, but also an indicator that people are being delayed in um, obtaining an abortion um, when they want one. Um, and what we also found in our study is that people who lived in uh, more economically disadvantaged counties in Mississippi and counties that had fewer women's health providers um, were those who were more likely to obtain an abortion at 12 weeks of pregnancy or more. And we think this really reflects the economic hardships that people may be facing, securing enough uh, money to be able to pay for their procedure out of pocket because of restrictions in place in Mississippi, abortion is not covered by insurance or Medicaid, and it also reflects the um, larger context in which many people in Mississippi have limited access to health care, and specifically um, providers from whom they can obtain women's health care. And you noted that 73% of the nearly 4,500 women who got an abortion in 2018 were, who were Mississippians were African American. Yes, yes. Um, and we, this is, I think, reflective of the fact that black women are often more likely to experience unplanned pregnancies for a whole host of reasons, um, inequities in access to health care, inequities in their economic circumstances um, that make it difficult for them to um, prevent pregnancies when they uh, want to um, and be able to support a family um, when they do become pregnant. Um, we have heard from women that we have interviewed um, in Mississippi that because of unstable access to insurance, because Mississippi has not expanded Medicaid, that people are often cycling on and off their insurance um, following the delivery of an infant, um, losing their uh, pregnancy-related Medicaid uh, 60 days after they've had a baby and finding themselves uninsured, uh, services at uh, publicly funded health departments in the state are underfunded, people face wait times of weeks to months in order to be able to get family planning services um, at those clinics. Um, and during that time, uh, women that we have interviewed in other studies have reported that um, they end up getting pregnant because they can't get the contraception that they need. Ultimately, what do you want to get across to people who read this study? It's been published in the Journal of Contraception. One of the, the main points is that it is already very difficult for the residents of Mississippi to get an abortion, um, both in the state and in the surrounding state, um, because services are so limited and there have been so many restrictions placed on um, pregnant people and providers of abortion care um, that make the services so difficult to access. Um, and that's just the, the baseline situation that we're in now. If the Supreme Court allows Mississippi to further limit the point in pregnancy at which people can obtain an abortion, I think we'll see more people um, trying to travel out of state for care. And certainly not all people are going to be able to um, put together um, all the money that they need um, to travel out of state, and they will end up continuing a pregnancy that they did not want. Dr. Carrie White, thank you so much for your time and speaking with us about your research. Thank you so much. 
Coming up, an Affordable Care Act open enrollment deadline approaches. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Peter O'Dowd. Elvis Costello has a new album. At 67, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame musician is looking back on childhood. I'm thinking about uh, who we have become and how we've become, maybe. And part of that, I suppose, has something to do with there being less road up ahead than behind. Elvis Costello, next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MBB Think Radio. This is MBB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Tomorrow is the open enrollment deadline for Mississippians applying for health care through the Affordable Care Act. We're joined by Lottie Miner. She's a project director at an organization called Get Covered Mississippi. We are the only federal navigator grantee organization in the state of Mississippi. We're closing in on the January 15th deadline for folks yes. to sign up, right? Yes, ma'am. We're excited. It's been a really good open enrollment and excited about what the next days will bring. And have you been able to help people figure out if they even qualify? Because that's a big issue, correct? Yes, ma'am. We have. We have. There is a um, a website. It's called healthcare.gov. And embedded in that website, there are estimator tools and um, different other strategies that we can use to help a person determine eligibility based on estimated numbers even before they get into the nuts and bolts of the application itself. So, yeah, there's there's ways that, that we can help them. Uh, and then, of course, if they choose to continue the process, they, they would, uh, we'd assist them with the application. They'd select a plan. Um, we'd explain to them how the premiums, when the premiums are to be paid, so forth and so on, so their insurance will start in a timely fashion. How affordable is the Affordable Care Act for Mississippians? It is very affordable, not only for Mississippians, but for everyone across the country. Because of the new laws that are connected to the ACA, people are eligible for lower premiums than ever before. Tell us a little bit about the plans. They're named after medals, correct? The four metal levels are bronze, silver, gold, and platinum, and then there's also a level called catastrophic. So as I mentioned, the silver is the one that will qualify people to get the tax saving reductions. But normally bronze is where the insurance company pays sixty, the consumer pays forty. Silver, insurance pays seventy, consumer pays thirty. Gold, eighty twenty, platinum, ninety ten. And then, of course, the catastrophic plans are those that cover things like cancer, um, you know, unexpected illnesses that maybe a young person may get stricken with, you know, at a young age, um, that type of thing. What are the main concerns folks have when they sign up? I think historically the main concerns was, um, like you asked a moment ago, how affordable is affordable? You know, what does that mean? Because that is a relative term. I have not seen any of those types of concerns with this new law, everyone that has come to us has been informed enough 
to know that things have changed for the better. Um, and, you know, insurance is always something that's a little bit um, frightening for the average person because, you know, thinking about deductibles, co-pays, all of that. So we try to address some of those questions on the front end because uh, sometimes people don't know what to ask. So they don't know what their concerns are until they get started. But like I said, I've seen fewer and fewer concerns about cost. If people do not enroll by January 15th, what can they do? Do they have any options? They do. They do. If they qualify for what's called a special enrollment period, they can still enroll. And special enrollment periods um, refer to when a person has had a life-changing occurrence. For example, maybe there's been a new baby or, um, you know, God forbid, there's been a death in the family. You know, something changed with a number of people in the household. Um, a marriage, an adoption of a child, uh, moving, you know, from one state to the other, a job change. All of those things will qualify someone for a special enrollment. Uh, we call them an SEP, special enrollment period. Lonnie Miner is the project director at Get Covered Mississippi. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's the Castalt Gardener. Then at 10, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. See you Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Have a good weekend.